Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Obviously in New York, there's so much going on from Broadway to all the different arenas and stadiums and sports and shows. And how about this? December 26th, the day after Christmas, WWE Live is coming to Madison Square Garden. Tickets right now as low as $40 on the GameTime app. Those are going to get even lower over the next day or so. So a WWE fan, check on check out that. Jump on those. You can use the panoramic view to see what your tickets are going to look like. And of course, the two-tap checkout to get your tickets on the way. Well, now game time is hooking you up for the holidays and making that even better with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. The da- download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic. That's all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who redeem that code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. You're listening to the New York Football Podcast with Tim McMaster and Dan Duggan. You know, he played pretty heroic. Not sure if anyone can really be heroic in a game between 3 and 11 teams, but the Chase Young Bowl turns out to be a thriller. Both teams really trying to win. Tim McMaster here along with Dan Duggan. This is the New York Football Podcast. And Dan, let's start there. The Giants get great performances that we will get into. Of course, he, uh, Daniel Jones playing great. Saquon Barkley playing great. The defense not so great. We'll get into all of that. But despite all of that, they had a chance to lose this game in overtime and give that pick or take that pick, that number two pick, that Chase Young pick back, and they went out and they won the game, which I'm sure the team's excited about, but there's definitely a, a, a dark lining to that victory. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look back on it, you know, everyone thought, you know, should they win, should they lose? A tie probably would have been the best option once they got the overtime because I think they still would have had the, the leg up on the Redskins through the strength of schedule and everything, but... Um, you know, it's funny. It, it's a tough situation because obviously anyone, you know, in Giants apparel yesterday on the sideline, on the field, in the owner's box, everyone, you know, they want to win games. No one is sitting there thinking about the draft. I mean, because it, honestly, it's funny when like players say like, you know, we don't tank. It's like, no kidding. Like, why would Lorenzo Carter want to be complicit in helping them get a better pass rusher that's probably going to like take his job? So um, obviously the players are doing everything they can to win. Um, but it's, you know, fans are different. You're detached. You're looking at the big picture. You're saying, you know, does a win, you know, to get to four and eleven against the Redskins do anything for our future, or does you know just losing out, ensuring the second pick, and getting a guy like Chase Young, who listen, you know, the draft experts have been wrong before, but you know, people are talking about him as one of the best prospects to come out in years, and it's certainly, you know, we saw the Redskins go up and down the field pretty easily against the Giants. They need help on defense, so it's understandable for fans to you know think that would have been the better outcome. Listen, I mean, things have a way of sorting themselves out. And I think the the biggest difference from, say, this win that maybe in past years when the Giants were playing meaningless games in December is it's young guys who led the charge. So, you know, for Daniel Jones, obviously played a brilliant game on Sunday. Had they gone to overtime and lost that game, you know, it might have left a little bit of a bitter taste. Instead, you know, he gets to just, you know, fully, you know, grasp, uh, you know, the best performance of his career, five touchdowns leading that overtime game-winning drive. So 
Um, I mean, that's the part if you want to look at, you know, can you build on things? Like, I think the idea that, like, finishing a season on a high note carries over is, you know, completely garbage. It's foolish. You know, faces are going to change. No one's going to remember what happened in this game when they, you know, report for training camp in eight months. But every experience is valuable for Daniel Jones. So just the fact that he can point to, you know, a, a big performance like this after missing two games, um, you know, I think it'll benefit him, you know, in, in ways that aren't necessarily tangible. But, you know, that you know, overall, if you're a Giants fan, I understand the conflicted feelings, but, you know, you can't, uh, you can never apologize for a win and nobody in the Giants locker room was doing so last night. You mentioned Daniel Jones in grasping that, that victory and the full experience of the win. Wow, this team did that, right? Thanks to, thanks to social media. We got a little bit of a glimpse to Daniel Jones <laughs> dancing last night at the club. And then I think better, the better video is, is Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, and some other Giants playing flip cup. And you pointed out Eli may be cheating. Yeah, clearly cheated. And hey, he can get away <laughs> with it. He's kind of like the dad, you know, like, uh, and then he turned the table on Jones real quick because Eli flipped his. It didn't land the way it's supposed to. And then he just put it upside down and quickly turned the tables on Jones. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't love getting into like what these guys do in their personal lives because I mean, you go back to the boat trip and how that was so ridiculous and became such a big deal. And I mean, it's kind of crappy that there's just social media that like, you know, these guys can't just go out to a bar and, you know, have fun and, and cut loose after a, you know, a long season and to get a good win. But I will say the one moment from that video that stood out to me was the rapport between Jones and Eli. Like, we don't ever get to see that side. I mean, you know, they're very rarely in the locker room together at the same time when we're in there. They're not, you know, hanging around and, and you know, palling around in the locker room. So you know that they're both professional and, and you know that there's no real animosity. But to see them just have, like, you know, seen, like, buddies hanging out it was kind of cool to see, I think, because... Um, you know, it says a lot about Eli, it says a lot about Jones, that they've been able to get along because this has certainly been, you know, an awkward dynamic for both of them. And, and so to see them just be able to have fun and, you know, Eli kind of acting like the older brother, I think that's uh, that's a pretty cool visual. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if everyone, you know, gets to the facility on time this morning and there's no uh, no negative repercussions because it seemed like some, some good wholesome fun that uh, they were having last night. Yeah, I think the the overall uh, impression from those videos is people enjoy seeing that stuff and in that at a bar like that after the game, sure, have a good time, uh, teammates, especially having fun together like that. As far as the the win goes, it drops them from the second spot in the draft to the fourth spot. Obviously, one week left to play, so some still area for movement there but the Redskins seem pretty locked in as far as that number two pick goes let's get into Jones specifically in the game because so good 28 of 42 352 yards five touchdowns and probably the biggest stat of all Dan Red is no interceptions no turnovers Sterling Shepard after the game called him savage <laughs> um, there was some some key moments I think that stood out one two minute drill in the first half takes them down for points and then over time they didn't allow any chance for the Redskins. They go down, get the touchdown. The Redskins never see the ball. And Jones just looked like a, a legitimate star quarterback. Now, there's we've said it all along. There's there's two steps forward, one step back, and the Redskins aren't a good football team. But, you know, mediocre quarterbacks generally don't have days like Jones had on Sunday. Right, and, and that's why people are, you know, the kind of the – you know, the pessimists are quick to point out that, oh, the Redskins are, are terrible and, and they're, you know, in the tank. But – Five touchdowns is five touchdowns. That doesn't happen yeah. every weekend. I mean, no, no one else has been doing that to the Redskins this season. And uh, when you really take a step back, you know, Jones has 17 touchdowns and four interceptions in his last six starts. And it's almost like 
something you don't even realize the momentum he had built because obviously he missed the two games. So, um, you know, A, to come back and clearly not miss a beat, but B, if you really look at his development, um, it's really on an upward tra- trajectory. Now, I know the fumbles and he, and he had one on Sunday where, you know, finally the ball kind of bounced their way and went right to Kevin Zeitler and that really could have been disastrous. So, um, he got away with one, but hey, he kind of deserved a break because it seems like every time he puts the ball on the ground, it you know goes right to the other team. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's it's just more positive signs. I mean, you know, you talked about some of the situations he was put in. It's why it was crazy for anyone to think that they should just rest him and let Eli play a four game farewell tour. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, as long as he was healthy, and it was clear early that he was perfectly healthy. I mean, he was moving around the way he always does. Didn't seem limited at all. I mean, I go back to my belief that I'm pretty sure he could have played last week, but hey, things worked out well. Eli got to have the uh, the you know send off at home, so uh, no complaints with how that was handled. But pretty clear, Jones, um, you know, is phys- was physically ready, so there was no reason to hold him out because every single opportunity he's exposed to is an, a chance to gain some experience and something that again should benefit him going forward. So yeah, like that the two minute drive at the end of the half. Now, I mean, he's obviously been in some two minute situations this season, but you know, not a ton and. And to march right down and, and get a score before halftime. And then there's a situation at the end of the game where, you know, the defense, which we'll get to, you know, lets the Redskins tie it up. And there's, I think there's 29 seconds left. And he got them into position to either, you know, try a really long field goal or they ended up, you know, electing to try the Hail Mary. But um, it's just it's just getting exposed to situations. I mean, you, you can't replicate that. He doesn't gain that by watching Eli lead a two-minute drill. Like that, that There's no carry over there. So he has to be out there experiencing it. And then in overtime, I mean, we've seen, you know, from his first start, he has a little bit of that, that clutch factor to him and um, was very efficient, made the big-time throw to Shepard. You know, Saquon certainly uh, did his part to help that drive, and, and then he comes through with the touchdown pass. That's the first game-winning touchdown pass. Of course, he, he ran for the one against Tampa. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, listen, he is – if you're looking for optimism going into this offseason, it, it begins with him. I mean, this is all you could want to see from a rookie quarterback this year. It, it goes, again, back to the point why – it was the best move Pat Trimmer's made was turning the keys over to him as early as he did because you're going to have growing pains, and he certainly had his. Um, the earlier you get those out of your system, the hope is you, the earlier you fix them, and then you would think that he goes into next year a much more confident quarterback, much more seasoned, knows what he has to work on all offseason. He seems like he's going to be a pretty diligent guy. Um, so you really think he's in a position where he could make, you know, a, a big leap in year two. Now we've seen that doesn't always happen. Just look at a guy like Baker Mayfield. Um, but I think you have to feel good about where Jones is and, and this start, um, certainly, you know, sends him on a high note into week 17. If he has one more good performance, I think people will feel really good, you know, going into the off season based on what we've seen from Jones. Was there anything you look at from that game um, and are critical of, basically, from Jones' side? I mean, obviously, the numbers are great. The big moments are great. He didn't turn the football over despite the one fumble, but they get it back. So if you really were wanted to nitpick here on Jones as we kind of just continue to look into his development, is there anything there? No. I mean, I, I mean the fumble. Because I mean, <laughs> the fumble was right. was just kind of reckless. It was third down. He didn't – you know, he wasn't going to get the first down. So you just have to at some point – understand you know kind of your limitations and you know you're not going to beat you know two redskins and throw the ball away you know take the sack whatever it may be uh you're leading it's late in the game there's no need to put the ball at risk and and you know whatever it is he's got to do some forearm wrist whatever strengthening exercises because the ball does get punched out a little too easy with him but that's you know super nitpicky 
on a on the day when a guy threw for 350 yards and five touchdowns and led the game when he drives. So yeah, I mean the the fumbles, you know, we know it's it's been the number one concern. Um, but hey, like I said, if he got fortunate for once that you know one of his teammates was there to fall on it, so it didn't hurt them. So certainly uh, a heck of a lot more good than bad you know, coming out of that performance. All right, the other star performance was obviously his running back, and this is another thing where, wow, Giants fans have to be excited to finally see Saquon Barkley as Saquon Barkley again, really for the first time since before the injury way back. But but this was a career-best type performance, 22 carries, a, a buck 89. He was actually at 190 there briefly before losing a yard on his last carry of the game, but had the touchdown on the ground. He also big in the pass uh Attack also four catches, 90 yards, another touchdown there. Uh, and he just kills the Redskins in D.C. now, 359 yards in a couple of games there on 36 carries. Um, again, the Redskins aren't good, but this is also something we haven't seen from Barkley for a while. Last week, we got kind of a, a tease that he was on his way back, but this was kind of, you can't say vintage for a second-year player, but this was this was the best of Barkley on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I joked in my my game story that if he ever becomes a free agent, the Redskins should you know back up the bring track because <laughs> yeah. FedEx Field has certainly been good to him. I mean, he's averaging ten yards a carry in two games. That's absurd for an NFL player. And uh, like you said, the, the receptions, he got he got involved. I mean, and that's the part where with like Shermer, it's it's so maddening because he gets you know labeled as a bad play caller. And believe me, I think that there are times where. Uh, he doesn't have a good feel for the game. I mean, yesterday's a great example. I mean, Saquon ran all over the Redskins in the first half. They're up 14 for, you know, most of the second half. Certainly, we're in the lead up until the, the tying score, 30 seconds left. And yet, I think he had seven carries in the second half. And it's not as if they were shutting him down because he averaged like four and a half yards a pop. So, you know, that part of Shermer, you know, like I said, can be maddening. But he designed some really good plays. Like, he's he's definitely good, you know, in the film room. And, and when it comes to game planning in terms of drawing things up because, uh, the touchdown to, to Saquon was a play we really, I don't think we've ever seen that with him, where he just, you know, ran right up the seam. Uh, you know, the slot receiver ran a crossing route that just opened it wide open. And, man, the, if you think the Giants' secondary is rough, I mean, the Redskins, I mean, they, the guys are just running free all day. And, and, you know, credit to Jones for finding them and credit to Sherman for scheming it up. But um, that Washington secondary was was a disaster. Um, but that's what Saquon is supposed to do. That's why he was the number two pick. That's why he's supposed to be better than all these other running backs who can average, you know, four and a half yards of carry. Um, he's supposed to bring a different, you know, kind of game breaking element, a, a pass receiving element. And we just have not seen that this year. We haven't seen it consistently, you know, over two years. So that was big. I mean, even a simple play, that wide receiver screen where they split Saquon out wide. I mean, that's a seven yard completion to Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate or Darius Slayton. But Saquon is such a special talent that he is dead to rights. The you know, big defensive lineman has, you know, has him wrapped up and he just spins out of it and he's off to the race. I think it was like a 51 yard game, but that's why you have to do those types of plays for Saquon because it, like, it's like they'll give things like that, like one shot. And if it doesn't work, then they just put it away. But like the whole point of Saquon's greatness is his ability to just break a play at any moment it might be you know nothing 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 and all of a sudden he breaks a huge one so it's just maddening that they didn't feature him in that role uh you know nearly enough this season I guess better late than never I mean clearly I think that the ankle has progressively gotten healthier um you know I think the blocking was better yesterday I think the Redskins certainly played a role because there were some plays there where I think it was 35. I don't know who that was, but he was just like flailing at Saquon every time he got to the second level. Um, so yeah, it was like you said it was a, it was a vintage performance. We have not seen 
you know, that type of explosion from, from Barkley since I guess, you know, the, the Cowboys game, he had that one long run, but really consistently since last year. Cause even like I said, uh, the Dolphins game last week was, was kind of an encouraging game on a different front because he just had like a workmanlike game. I think his long run was 12 yards, but he still went well over a hundred. This was the forget workmanlike. It's just every time he, he touches the ball, he might be off to the races. So that, you know, that's obviously exciting to watch. And it goes back to the point of, you know, how these games aren't you know completely meaningless because if this team's going anywhere in the next five to 10 years, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be on the backs of Jones and Barkley. So to see them finally put it all together, you know, in the same game, you know, is, is definitely uh, an encouraging sign and what they're going to see need to see a, a ton more of going forward. Again, if this team is going to get over the point of, Hey, they look good in the December game against the Redskins. It meant nothing. If they're going to become, you know, serious contenders, it's going to be those two guys leading the way. So you mentioned the offensive scheme and the the good play calls, the design of these plays that Shermer came up with and how impressive it was. And one thing we've been, I think, critical of this season is when we think of Shermer, you don't think of him as being a guy where, oh, he could be a difference maker. He's going to be a difference maker in a playoff situation. He's going to be the guy that can can make the moves on the field and in design to take you to the next level. And maybe there was a hint of the, that here so the question, I guess, Dan, it would be, where has that been the rest of Pat Shermer's tenure? <laughs> yeah, and that that is the question. Um, you know, and I think part of it, you could say that he's you know, limited by personnel. Uh, you know, Eli wasn't playing at peak performance last year. The offensive line um, has been very up and down. But yeah, I mean, you, you've had weapons. That's the thing with this team. I mean, you know, they kind of went all in last year to, to give Eli weapons. You had Odell, you had Saquon, you had Sterling Shepard. You, you had plenty of pieces there to, you know, have a dynamic offense. And then this year, um, you know, of course, you had Saquon and, and Sterling Shepard and you had Golden Tate and Evan Ingram, of course, been in and out. But it just feels like he has not maximized, you know, what he's been given to work with. But again, you, you see signs of it in a game like Sundays where, you know, he can, you know, scheme it up. He didn't get to this point, you know, with smoke and mirrors. He's been a good offensive coordinator. He's been a good play caller. The question with him always has been, you know, as a head coach, because that's different. That's not just calling plays. That's, you know, that's having a feel for the game. That's managing, you know, all aspects. I mean, he, he dropped the 0 for 7 on challenges this year yesterday uh, when he, you know, the Golden Tate. That, I mean, that's funny. I tweeted that it was clearly a drop and a lot of people were, uh, on Twitter saying, what are you talking about? That was a catch. And I think maybe part of it was the in, in a slow motion replay, it might look like a catch, but in live time, the, the ball was, you know, was clearly out and he didn't win that challenge. So uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than just drawing up, you know, good plays and, you know, when you're breaking down film and, and that's the part that's sort of, you know, eluded Shermer. But, um, you know, this was certainly, I mean, 41 points. I, I got to think that's the best, uh, the best game he's had as a head coach. I mean, I know they had 40 down in Washington last year. Again, they, they should just play, uh, you know, move their games to, to FedEx Field because um, they, they've lit it up when they play here. But yeah, it was it was it was a, a rare positive moment for for the offense and for Shermer. And um, but you know, what does it mean going forward? You know, I don't think it should mean that much. But you know, we'll see if they, I mean if they ever beat the Eagles next week, it's going to be very easy probably for John Mara to say, "Man, we won three in a row. We're finishing on a high note." We you know you know, knock the Eagles out of the playoffs, potentially um, the, the, the good vibes might overwhelm the fact that this team was dead and buried again by Halloween. So that's going to be the really interesting thing to, to monitor to see how, how this little late surge uh, against bad teams, how it factors in, especially if they are able to, you know, get a quality win uh, in the finale. 
I mean, talk about nightmare scenarios, right? Is the Giants winning three in a row to finish things off, um, losing draft stock, and then uh, I'm talking from a, from a fan perspective, certainly, and then the coach sticks around when everybody wants him gone. It would be the, <laughs> the worst possible finish for a team that wins three in a row when you should be feeling good about things. It would be the exact opposite. If you're a football fan, the holiday season is here, and we know that means bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros, too. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day from odds boosts to free bets. DraftKings has it all. It's the final week of the pro football season, so be sure to get your bets in this weekend and don't miss out on the bowl games happening all week long. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give users a free bet just for signing up. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a free bet when you when you use that at sign-up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with the code QUICK to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Dan, we talked about the good, and that was Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and the coaching a little bit, but let's talk about the bad, and that was the defense. And, and maybe the most upsetting thing about this is you think about what Chase Young could do as one piece to kind of help turn around this defense. And now it, it seems like that's probably not an addition. Now they're still going to get a good player out of the draft high in the first round, but but obviously people were, were thinking Chase Young. So let's talk about the defense because Dwayne Haskins, the last time the Giants and Redskins played, looked way over his head, not ready to be an NFL quarterback. He has come a long way, or the Giants' defense has regressed. I'm not sure which is is more. But while Haskins was in the game, 12 of 15, 133, a couple of touchdowns, no picks. He looked really good. Then Keenum comes in and, and picks up right where Haskins kind of left off. This Giants' defense looked bad from the beginning until the end, and it's a good thing that they won the coin toss for overtime. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, I mean, there was no chance the Giants were stopping the Redskins, I don't think, if they got the ball to to open overtime. I will say, I mean, Bill Callahan, you're an interim coach. You score after a 99-yard touchdown drive and you kick the PAT. I mean, <laughs> Drove me on. nuts. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's such a loser mentality. I mean, honestly, not to throw shade at Sherman after we just praised him, it feels like something he probably would have done. I mean, what are you doing? You, <laughs> you can't stop. I mean, I know the Giants didn't do as well in the second half, but you're going to leave it up to a coin toss and keep your terrible defense to potentially have to you know, get you the ball back. I mean, come on. You're, you're sitting right there. The ball's at the two-yard line. You got to just go for it. I mean, have no guts, no glory. So that was uh, that was pretty weak. But, yeah, I mean, the Giants' defense – uh, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's 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 a really really bad unit. Because as much as you know, we want to sit here and say, you know, the Giants, you know, lit up the Redskins, and uh, I mean, it was it was equally as bad the other way. And, and you're talking about a rookie quarterback. And and the one thing I will say is, is Dwayne Haskins has come a long way since that Week Four when you know a lot of Giants fans were kind of dancing on his grave after he got you know thrown in in a tough spot where I don't think he even thought he was going to play, and then he gets thrown in mid game. Um, so, you know, not surprisingly, he didn't look, you know, ready for prime time, uh, but he's progressively gotten better and he was carving them up yesterday. And, you know, really the, it was kind of too bad that he suffered the injury on the first play of the second half, because it would have been fun to see him and Jones, 
uh, participating in the shootout because that's certainly a matchup you know we could see for years to come. And, and uh, don't get me wrong, Jones is definitely you know far ahead of Haskins at this point. But I think a lot of people were acting like Haskins was you know a complete bust after you know like one or two appearances, and clearly um, he's shown the last couple of weeks that. There's some talent there, and there's something to work with, and and they're in a lot of you know the same boat as the Giants in a lot of ways, where you know what decisions they make, you know, with their next you know coach and potentially GM, uh, is really going to shape you know what he grows into. Um, but then yeah, I mean you put Case Keenum in there, the uh, the immortal Case Keenum, and, and he continued to shred them, and that 99 yard drive was just it was just kind of fitting because it's just what this defense has really been for most of the season. Um, you have him you know, backed up, it's third and nine from the two-yard line, and they complete that 32-yard pass. I mean, I mean, Corey Ballantyne, again, it's he's a rookie. Rookies, you know, can look bad and then, you know, develop into solid players. I will say, he's not a slot corner. I've said that for weeks. I mean, he just doesn't have the the quick twitch to, to stay with guys in that position. Now, I know that they don't have a lot of options because Grant Haley, uh, he was getting abused. He was in that spot too, but that needs to be like a priority this year. I know, you know, edge rusher and inside linebacker and offensive tackle. Those are the, you know, big ticket items that need to be filled, but man, they need to get a legitimate guy to play the slot because just patching it together with like your third or fourth corner is not working. Um, and, you know, Ballantyne had, had a really rough game, had the, the pass interference on fourth and goal, which was frustrating because he was in great position and it wasn't a great throw. All he had to do was just not push the guy and, and the game's over. Right. So that was tough. Um, but hey, listen, rookie growing pains, we've come to expect that. Um, you know, I think DeAndre Baker, you know, the the people were kind of looking for signs of optimism. I think they ran away with that a little bit or, you know, PFF put up some stats that made it look like he's been playing great. But um, he came back to earth, uh, you know, I think in a, in a pretty big way on Sunday. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 a unit that needs a lot of help. So, I mean, they're not just even one Chase Young away, but that would have been a big piece because, um, you know, the pass rush is not very consistent, but I will say Lorenzo Carter, you know, finally showed up and it was funny. I was actually saying to uh, someone in the press box in like the first or second quarter, I was like, it's crazy how you don't even, you know, he's on the field all the time, but you, you don't even know it because he just really doesn't make an impact. And, you know, maybe he heard me because he, he stepped it up and probably had his best game of his career. Um, but it's just, there's just such a, you know, lack of playmakers on the defense. Uh, they just, you know, they need help, you know, especially in the you know, linebackers and, and the secondary Leonard Williams, again, um, the, you know, like the captain of close, but no cigar had some pressures, but again, he's, he was on the bench for a chunk of that, that 99 yard drive. And I understand that they're trying to rotate and keep guys fresh, but if this is a huge part of your defense, I want to make sure he's fresh for those moments and, and you're not saving them for, uh, for week 17 or, or, you know, whatever it may be. So, uh, that's always a tough thing to wrap your mind around that, that he hasn't been out there necessarily in, in the biggest spots in, in this game and in the Philly game where, um, you really needed a defensive stop. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, hey, listen, you, you take the positives from the offense. The, the defense we knew going into Sunday is a major weakness. Certainly nothing changed. And, um, you know, they're not going to get Chase Young most likely, but they probably need to use that fourth pick, uh, you know, on a, on a stud defensive player, whoever the next guy is on the list, and, and just keep throwing resources at that side of the ball because there's major holes and uh, they don't seem, you know, really closer to filling many of them right now. Yeah, you got your offense for the most part. You have your quarterback, your running back. Time to really dig in on the defensive side. And how about Leonard Williams? Talk about him not being in on big plays. And obviously, we, we've talked about it multiple times with the trade and, and the pressure is on them that they almost have to sign this guy. Do you still think that's the deal? I mean, they still have to re-sign Leonard Williams and have him on this team in 2020, even if he hasn't really 
shown to I guess shown the the ability to earn the contract it will likely take to keep him. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a multi layered question. Let's operate under the assumption that Gettleman is back because I will say if a, if a right. new GM comes in, I mean he has no obligation to keep Leonard Williams at say fifteen million dollars a year because he didn't give up the draft picks for him. But if you're Gettleman and you gave up the picks to to acquire Williams, I don't see how you can possibly not re-sign him. Say you got you know priced out or whatever because you clearly put uh, a high value on the guy. You gave up a third round pick and, a, and another mid round pick just for the chance to negotiate with them and to have him for eight games. So. I think Gettleman has to sign him now. Will that be in the best interest for the Giants? If again, if, if he gets twelve million a year, like maybe it's not as bad. But if he's gonna get, you know, fifteen to seventeen million dollars a year or something, then I don't know that, you know, maybe it'd be better just cut your losses because I you know, I don't think he's worth that. Um, but you know, elite players don't reach free agency. So that's why the set the B level players like the Olivier Vernons and the Lennon Williams get a level money when they hit the market because teams are like, well, Hey, he's the best we're going to get. We have Nate Solder, another example. He's the best we're going to get. So we have to go all in to sign this guy. So as much as Leonard Williams isn't worth, you know what he's probably going to get, you're worth what someone's willing to pay and what the market dictates. So um, the the big question with that always has been, do they even let him get to the market? Because if they let him get to the market, it's like, the mind, most mindless trade, you know, of all time, because if he's going to just go and test the market anyways, you could have just held on to your draft picks and then just try to blow him away with the offer uh, once free agency starts. Now, if they're able to, you know, I, as far as I know, I checked in with somebody a couple weeks ago there, you know, because I remember there was a report that talks were supposed to start around Thanksgiving. I heard there's really been nothing, no progress, nothing's close, you know, really nothing cooking there at all. So, um, maybe things change rapidly once the season's over and, and you know Gettleman you know gets where it'll be back and they come to a nice little agreement in February. That'd be one thing. But if it gets all the way to March and, and he's able to hit free agency, it would be you know just such a bad look. I mean, the trade doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, period. But it, it was always I I left out the I left the out that if they are able to re-sign him before he hits the market. I mean, at least you know, there was some, you know, benefit to it. And, you know, if he ever develops into the player that, you know, Gettleman clearly thinks he will, I guess you could say it was worth it. But um, the way things are looking right now, it's, it's, you know, really tough to defend. But again, you have to hold out, you know, kind of a final verdict until we see how, uh, you know, free agency and his next contract plays out. Yeah, plus the, there's the pick that they're not going to have, which hurts even more when you're in a situation where they're rebuilding the way they are. All right, let's turn the page a little bit. Uh, we're not going to have a second episode this week because of the holiday and everything, so we wanted to preview the Eagles game briefly. Um, not so much X's and O's um, as much as is what this game could mean, I guess, for the Giants, Dan, and that is they get a chance here to uh, to play spoiler, at least. Um, the Eagles... Beat the Cowboys Sunday, so they have the inside track here on the NFC East. But the the Giants can still be a factor in that, and it's Eagles Giants also, and that's that's obviously a rivalry as well. Um, so again, it goes down to the the question, right? Do you want to beat one of your rivals in Week 17 and maybe uh, ruin their season, or do you want to make sure you still have a top five pick come the draft next spring? Um, to me. It's the same as as the Redskins. You want to? I want to see this team play well. I want to see Daniel Jones play well, and I want to see the Eagles squeak out a victory late, uh, so that the Giants at least stay in that four spot for the draft. Yeah, I'll have to double check this. I you know having a chance to dig into it, but I believe they're guaranteed to be no worse than the fifth pick. So 
Okay. And, you know, even if they win, you know, I think it depends on, you know, how Miami does and maybe Detroit again. I haven't dug too deep. I was, I was all in on that number two pick would made things nice and simple. Don't you have to worry yeah. about studying the top draft prospect because it basically me chase young or bust. Now it gets a little, you know, cloudier who they might actually want if they do end up with say four. Um, but so, by yeah, the way, think- you, real, real yep. quick, my, you mentioned Miami. How about the almost, um, historic tank type performance <laughs> in the second half for them, right? They had a three touchdown lead on the Bengals. They blew it, but then they end up winning it anyway. It's another one of these games where you're just scratching your head with, no, no, you can't, you blew that much of a lead. Just lose the game at that point, but they won it as well. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. Back yeah, to I you. mean, NFL teams can't seem to get tanking right, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's just say that, you know, they win, they get the fifth pick instead of the fourth pick. I mean, that, that's not a huge difference. And, it, you know, I think, I think the second pick, there's so much put on it just because everyone assumes Joe Burrows is going to go to Cincinnati because they need a quarterback and he's, you know, really looks like a, a top prospect. So then it just seemed, you know, most years there might be some debate, but it just feels like everyone is saying, you know, Chase Young is the best player in this draft. And if you didn't need a quarterback, you know, he'd be the number one pick. Um, so he was just, you know, and again, the Giants desperately need that position. So it just made so much sense. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not someone who gets so worked up about like the difference between like one slot when you're talking four and five. I mean, obviously four is, gives you a better odds than five. That's just pretty basic stuff. But um, I think they're gonna go, you know, all out to win this game. I mean, there's no reason to think they wouldn't because obviously they have the last two games and they had plenty of reasons to sort of pack it in. And I think the fact that they have a chance to knock the Eagles out of the playoffs, I mean, that will give plenty of motivation. In, in a way, it's like a playoff game for the Giants. Now it's like a a, a backwards type of playoff game, but they can get a feel for what it means to play against a team that is treating it like a playoff game. So I think, you know, again, we just keep going back to experiences for young guys. I think that'll be a good thing uh, for these young players to, you know, kind of feel that type of intensity and the stakes. Cause I mean, you're talking about a team that was, you know, won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago that they're going to come, you know, obviously you would imagine with their a game. So the giants don't want to just roll over and, you know, get embarrassed and, um, so I think that in that way, it kind of sets up as a, as a fun game again for Jones to expose him to a different experience. It's like a little bit of a, a bonus, meaningful game here where for obviously the Giants, it doesn't matter. But in just in terms of the NFL landscape, it does. So I think guys will uh, will be amped up for it. Um, you know, it's, it's a chance, like I said, to to knock out a rival from the playoffs. Granted, you'd be helping the Cowboys. So <laughs> like everything with the Giants is like a lot of double edged swords here. But, um, you know, I think that they would definitely take some satisfaction from knocking the Eagles out and then again you talk about finishing on a three-game winning streak you know we might not think it means a heck of a lot but I mean if I'm Pat Shermer I'm feeling a little bit better you know that Monday morning when I walk in the building and I can you know look John Mara in the eye and say listen I know the season didn't go how we wanted but we won three games we knocked Philly out we uh Daniel Jones made big strides like I mean at least I have a a case to make whereas if they you know get their doors blown off on Sunday I think the good vibes from these last two games uh you know will dissipate very quickly and and, you know John Merrill have a a lot easier decision to make again I'm not saying I think that these three games should factor in at all I've seen enough to to make my determination on on what Pat Sherman's future should be but you know, ending on a high note has a way of, you know, maybe making guys reconsider things. And so maybe uh, it, it does extend him, uh, gives him another year. So for him, this is, you know, the stakes are, are huge. And again, I think the players will, you know, answer the bell because, you know, it, it is a chance to go out on a high note. And, and like I said, to uh, to have an impact on the playoff picture, even though it's not, you know, one that directly affects the Giants. We're recording this on Monday morning. So obviously it's early, um, uh 
injuries happen, guys get healthy. A lot, lot of things can change over the next six days. Um, the spread can change as well. But right now, Eagles a four-and-a-half-point favorite um, at New York at MedLife Stadium on Sunday. Dan, an early prediction. We're not going to stand uh, – we're not going to hold you to this because so much can change. But do you think that the uh, the Giants have a shot to upset the Eagles at home? I think they have a shot. I think they'll be scrappy. I mean, the Eagles are really, you know, just like kind of willing their way to these wins. I mean, we saw, you know, how much of a struggle it was against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. So I would be surprised if Philly comes in and, you know, just blows the Giants away because, I mean, again, the Eagles are just scraping and clawing to, to get there. But, I mean, I do think that the kind of cream will rise to the top and, you know, maybe it's that championship DNA or maybe it's just they're a little bit better team. I, I think the Eagles win, I'll say like 26 to 20. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I picked the Eagles win the Super Bowl, so I selfishly, I need to at least get them in the playoffs. So I feel a little better about my uh, <laughs> preseason prediction. Um, but no, I think that this has a chance to be a pretty interesting game. And it's funny because you get to this point in the season, these last couple of weeks, where you're like, man, what am I going to write about? And the Giants have, you know, really been pretty helpful here with, they gave us the Eli storyline for a couple of weeks. They give us, you know, Daniel Jones historic performance against the Redskins. And now this game, I mean. Uh, again, the stakes for the Giants, you know, aren't that high in terms of the standings, but there's a kind of a lot at play here that'll be actually an interesting game to watch. Whereas if the Eagles had lost yesterday, this game's meaningless and it's, you know, it's kind of like whatever, let's get through it. But, uh, you know, it has a chance to be kind of a fun game. Um, you know, I don't think that like playing the spoiler role is, is that fulfilling, but again, at least the game matters. So I, I think it'd be, it'd be fun to watch, but I, I do think uh, I, I can't see the Giants, you know, knocking the Eagles off with, with so much at stake. So I think the Eagles, you know, pull out a, a six point win. Yeah, I agree. I'll go 31, 21, um, a little more offense somehow out of the Eagles that I know their offense has struggled, but this Giants defense is, is just having a hard time right now. Uh, so I'll go 31, 21 Eagles as well. Um, more on that game. If you want to read a little more or listen to a little more, check out birds with friends another podcast here on the athletic podcast network, Bo Wolf, Shale Kapadia and Zach Berman bring you that one. Um, another awesome podcast here through the athletic. Also check out the best of 2019 on the athletic. Um, they've done a great job of pulling in the best 30 pieces, basically best 30 stories that were written through all of 2019 out of, I think nearly 50,000 stories were put on the athletic in 2019 um they curated the top 30 and you can check those out on the athletic this week as well follow dan on twitter ddugan 21 uh we will be back a week from now um after that game after week 17 um we'll probably wait and see how things shake out that day dan a lot could be going on a lot could be changing but it, it's black monday right the uh the nickname for the monday after the the final game of the season in the nfl right yeah so that, that day could definitely be quite busy it'll be interesting one or another because you, you know you don't hold off if you're gonna make the decision to do it monday so we should know pat trimmer's fate you know one way or another probably around noontime next monday and that'll that'll dictate the next week and months of uh, of our coverage of the team so that'll be uh a very interesting day to monitor. Yeah, so we'll we'll probably hold off until we hear the news one way or the other uh, on Gettleman and Shermer and all of that, and then we'll bring you the, the quick reacts here on the New York Football Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us all season. We'll be with you through the offseason as well, not twice a week, but we'll still be here for uh, the latest news on the Giants, but still one more game to play at home against the Eagles. Enjoy it. Enjoy this young quarterback and running back. Maybe they can put together another great performance, and we'll talk to you again next week. 